Homage to the Buddha, homage to the Dharma, homage to the Sangha. The unsurpassed, penetrating, and perfect truth is seldom met with, even in a hundred thousand myriad kalpas. Now we can see and hear it. We can remember and accept it. I vow to make the Buddha's truth one with myself. The third of Bodhidharma's four practices is seeking nothing. The seeking of nothing, or no seeking. The Buddha's third noble truth, that there is a cessation to suffering, is simple logic. Once we understand the causes of suffering, we can then completely eliminate these causes and thus be free from suffering. From his own experience, the Buddha taught that the cessation of suffering is possible. We simply have to give up its cause, craving. Bodhidharma, in his third practice of seeking nothing, underscores that we have all that we need in our practice and in our training, and points to how we can more fully live this third noble truth. We have no need for the judgments, the expectations, or the delusions that comprise much of our thoughts. We have no need further to maintain that greatest of illusions that we cherish and prop up as the self. Our life of practice is the expression of our fundamental Buddha nature, and we become more fully human as we live our practice not driven by, but rather transforming the three poisons of fear, aversion, and delusion. Bodhidharma says, People of this world are deluded. They're always longing for something, always, in a word, seeking. But the wise wake up. They choose reason over custom. They fix their minds on the sublime and let their bodies change with the seasons. All phenomena are empty. They contain nothing worth desiring. Calamity forever alternates with prosperity. To dwell in the three realms is to dwell in a burning house. To have a body is to suffer. Does anyone with a body know peace? Those who understand this detach themselves from all that exists and stop imagining or seeking anything. The Sutra says, to seek is to suffer. To seek nothing is blissful. When you seek nothing, you're on the path. People of this world are deluded, and the self is the fundamental delusion. Separation and a separate self is a fundamental delusion. And that there's something to achieve in our practice is a fundamental delusion. People of this world are deluded. They're always longing for something. 
to cherish and protect the self, to maintain that separate self in its isolation, to achieve perfection financially, emotionally, spiritually, even in terms of the laundry. There are so many areas where we seek perfection. And we seek perfection in our practice all too often when we seek a good meditation or an enlightenment experience or even just plain peace. People of this world are deluded. They're always longing for something, always in a word, seeking. And that's the definition of delusion here. Always longing for something. Always in a word, seeking. But the wise wake up. They choose reason over custom. Custom here, I think, has the more contemporary meaning of conditioning. We can make choices that take us beyond our conditioning, karmic or otherwise. We can go against the grain of our upbringing, of our education, of our tendencies. And moment by moment, we can make this choice to wake up, moment by moment, choice by choice. Enlightenment is moment by moment, choice by choice. They fix their minds on the sublime, and they let their bodies change with the seasons. They fix their minds on the one true thing, and they don't resist the change that is inherent in the human realm. All phenomena are empty. They contain nothing worth desiring. Calamity forever alternates with prosperity. Things are constantly changing. To dwell in the three realms is to dwell in a burning house. To have a body is to suffer. Does anyone with a body know peace? Suffering is the hallmark of the three realms of greed, hate, and delusion. And our body is a ground of suffering. And yet, as Dogen says, this body is deeply significant. It is this body, the one that we have right now, that points us to the truths of Anicca, Dukkha, and Anatta, to the truths of change and suffering and no separate self. And it points us especially to the truth of non-duality. Through this body and its suffering, we come to a much greater appreciation of our interconnectedness in life and in death. Those who understand this detach themselves from all that exists. Detach, yes. And we live in our bodies, we live in our own zip code, 
We live in our own present moment. This is what being human is about, and this is where we train. We detach from all that exists, and we live in the midst of it, unattached, appreciative, grateful for all of the teaching that this immediate moment offers us. Those who understand this detach themselves from all that exists and stop imagining or seeking anything. Stop imagining. Can we give up our story? Can we give up the dramas that make up for so much of what we train with in our daily life? Can we give up seeking anything? Can we give up our acting as if or grasping onto? The Sutra says to seek is to suffer. To seek nothing is blissful. Can we live our lives without being worried about outcomes or affirmations? When you seek nothing, you're on the path. When we suffer injustice, we've entered the path. When we adapt to conditions, we're silently following the path. When we seek nothing, we're on the path. There's the story of the meditation master who was asked by his disciple what he, the master, did when he meditated. The master replied, I don't meditate. But wait, don't we come to training seeking? We study the mind that seeks the way. Our entry to practice starts by looking for happiness, peace, enlightenment, or at least some relief from difficulty, pain, and suffering. Seeking appears at first to be quite worthwhile. We begin to see, as Bodhidharma says, how calamity forever alternates with prosperity. We begin to see how we're driven by fear or aversion or delusion. And we begin to glimpse that first noble truth and its reality for us, that we are never satisfied. And as we meditate and do the practice, as we seek and gain insights, we come to realize that it's not by looking outside for satisfaction, however we define it, that we find true peace and steadiness. Rather, it's through our meditation practice, where we sit still, where we watch what our mind is doing, where we begin to see things as they truly are and begin to suffer injustice. It's in our sitting that we adapt to conditions, that we choose the inner quiet that is contentment in some situations, steadfastness in others, where we choose a mind that is neither waxing nor waning, one that neither holds on nor pushes away. 
and is rooted in this very practice of seeking nothing. It's a practice that points to our fundamental sufficiency. Our lives, as they are, are an expression of Buddha nature. How many of us truly see that? And how many of us truly believe it? Reverend Master Daishan Morgan observed that the ending of the delusion doesn't come through seeking safety in a belief in something outside or above this life. Rather, it is a matter of seeing into the nature of what our life already is. This is what Dogen is talking about, too, when he says that to study Buddhism is to study the self. We need to see into the nature of what our life already is. This is a key part of seeking nothing. Bodhidharma says it's only when we stop seeking satisfaction in outside phenomena that we can find the true treasures of our mind and of our life. We have what we are truly looking for already. This very mind is Buddha. Training and enlightenment are one. Again, to quote River Master Daishin, It is often rightly said that in order to awaken, we need to develop the mind that seeks the way. This is the mind of things as they are, the mind that naturally responds to the need of the moment and does whatever needs to be done because it is alive and present. The mind that seeks the way is not concerned with affirmations of itself. Dogen, when he first came back from China in his Rules for Meditation, addressed the question of seeking nothing. He asked, Why are training and enlightenment differentiated, since the truth is universal? Why study the means of attaining it, since the supreme teaching is free? Since truth is seen to be clearly apart from that which is unclean, why cling to a means of cleansing it? His answer is direct and to the point. Since truth is not separate from training, training is unnecessary. The separation will be as that between heaven and earth if even the slightest gap exists. For when the opposites arise, the Buddha mind is lost. However much you may be proud of your understanding, However much you may be enlightened, whatever your attainment of wisdom and supernatural power, your finding of the way to mind illumination, your power to touch heaven and to enter into enlightenment, when the opposites arise, you have almost lost the way to salvation. No matter your achievement, when the opposites arise, Dogen is pointing us to the heart of our practice. It isn't about achievement. It's going beyond the opposites to non-duality. Non-duality is the ground of sympathy. 
This is what Hanshin is talking about when he says, when we look deeply into the other, we find ourselves. We are not separate. What we commonly think of the self is an illusion. It's nothing in itself, but a name we give our continuous interaction with the environment. We constantly see, hear, smell, touch, think, taste. And it's this cascade of sensations, perceptions, and judgments, thought after thought, feeling after feeling, that we identify as myself. It's not the separate and constant point of reference against which all time and events are marked. It's an interconnected thread in the flow of samsaric existence. But to say that the self is an illusion, however, is not to say that it's a hallucination. The self is not a mirage. It's real. We say that the self is illusory, though, because it's not a stable entity, but rather a series of events that are changing day after day, moment by moment, in response to our constantly changing environment. The practice of no seeking or seeking nothing is the practice of no self. Yes, it's normal for people to begin to learn and practice Buddhism for their own benefit. But eventually, through practice, our self-centeredness begins to fall away. We find ourselves living the three pure precepts. We cease from evil. We try to do only good. And we try to do good for others, in particular by purifying our own hearts. There's a shift to kindness, to compassion, to loving-kindness. There's a commitment to living the four wisdoms of charity, tenderness, benevolence, and sympathy. But not to achieve anything. To quote the Metta Sutra, it's because this is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. There's a commitment to the precepts, not because of the force of thou shalt not, and the potential consequences of not complying. But rather because as we live more fully from our Buddha nature, we begin to choose to act as Buddhas act. Oddly enough, it becomes more natural to act this way. And there's much less wake. As the offertory says in describing a venerable master, he simply kept the precepts and did what needed to be done. Such a person no longer even thinks about attaining enlightenment. He is simply training, and he's practicing seeking nothing. In our tradition, enlightenment isn't about walking on air or radiating glowing light in the dark. It's more about how patient we are in the face of frustration. It's about how we live the four wisdoms. 
To live a life of training is to live as an expression of enlightenment. As Reverend Master Daishin Morgan says, training is not a means of acquiring enlightenment. Dogen in Gakudoyu Jenshu invites us to start the process quite practically. Simply let go of the selfish self for a little, for a little. How do we do this? Let go of the wanting, the gotta have it, the insistence. Let go of the idea of perfection, particularly the idea that my way is perfection. Let go of the self, this fixed and constant being, this excellent functionary, What happens, though, when you can't function? Can you let that you go? Reverend Master Daishin Morgan asks two further key questions. If training and enlightenment are one, then enlightenment must be here and now. So where is it? And enlightenment still has to be realized. So what are the implications for the path of training if the goal is already here? His answer? It's necessary that we sit still with great faith. It takes a lot of faith not to follow our fears and desires and to choose to look into their heart instead. The momentum that will carry us into awakening is already present within circumstances as they are. We do not have to wait for any special circumstances or state of mind. When we let go of self sufficiently to suffer injustice, to accept what arises in our meditation, in our lives, it involves much more than might at first be apparent. Or Mr. Daishin Morgan says, it is a thoroughly selfless response in which there can be no excuses, no seeking of reassurance, no blaming, no justification. How can it be done? It's a matter of not doing it again and again and keeping going anyway with all the devotion one can find, doing the best sitting meditation one can. And it is still not done. There is no achievement here that we can take away. In the practice of no seeking, we continually and diligently engage in useful activity. Yet when we are seeking nothing, we have no thought that this activity is for our personal gain now or in the future. We don't look for personal benefits. This is not easy. It's a constant process of purifying our hearts. Why am I doing what I'm doing? When Bodhidharma asks us to look at what our mind is doing, he's essentially asking us to seek nothing. Are we judging? 
Our judgments are a form of seeking. Do we have expectations? Expectations are a form of seeking. Am I picking and choosing? Our pickings and choosings are a form of seeking. What is my mind doing in this moment? How can I purify my heart in this moment? A teacher said, when you have ceased to be concerned about your own attainment, then you are enlightened. Otherwise there will be subtle, wandering thoughts and attachment to the desire to do something for yourself. If you want to free yourself from all worldly vexations and suffering, and if you desire liberation, you are still attached to yourself. It's only when you have no concern about your own enlightenment, then you can truly be enlightened. The practice of no seeking is the practice of this enlightened state. Remember the meditation master. When asked what he did when he meditated, the master said, I don't meditate. I offer the merit of this talk to all beings that we together may fully and gratefully practice seeking nothing. Homage to the Buddha, homage to the Dharma, homage to the Sangha.